from Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payments to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The gospel of the lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. Forgiveness isn't easy, right? It just isn't. And for us to be forgiving, we are probably in a situation where someone has sinned against us. And to sin against someone basically just means to do anything to break Jesus' second greatest commandment. When we sin against someone, we fail to love that person as ourselves. And when this failure to love, to respect, to care for someone else comes from a person in our community, from someone we are close to, that hurt is made even deeper. When Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? For Peter, a member of the church isn't just someone he sees on Sunday. This person would be his family. As a follower of Jesus in the beginning, a fellow church member would have been a fellow Jewish person, someone that Peter likely grew up with, someone who Peter likely knew well. When Peter asks this, it's not just another member of the church. Peter is asking Jesus, when someone who is supposed to care about me sins against me, when someone who is supposed to be in relationship with me fails to love and respect me as themselves, how often should I forgive this? And that is not easy. And before we go too far into this text, I want to raise up some of the ways that these words from Jesus have been misused. Particularly because I think we get caught up in the idea of forgiveness as just wiping a slate clean, that to forgive means to remove any consequences, or that to forgive means that nothing has to change. And that is just emphatically not true. But first, before we go into that, I want to recognize that this text has been used in that way in really harmful ways. Matthew 18 has been used to tell women and men who have been abused to forgive their attacker. It has been used to keep people trapped in relationships that were incredibly harmful. It has been used as an excuse from institutions not to have consequences for predators in their midst. 
And it has been used by people that I know in attempts to shame me into being in relationships that are deeply harmful to my emotional well-being. You're a Christian. You have to forgive me. These words on forgiveness from Jesus have been distorted and used in all kinds of harmful ways. And Jesus isn't telling us to forgive the person who fails us to the point of failing ourselves. Jesus is not telling us to forgive the person who fails us to the point of failing ourselves. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. What Jesus is trying to illustrate with this parable is that God's forgiveness is unimaginable. That this forgiveness is meant to be shared, and that forgiveness itself is a kind of covenant. Peter is trying so hard to be a good disciple. The general rule of thumb for forgiveness in ancient Jewish tradition was that if a fellow Hebrew sinned against you, if they failed to love and respect you as themselves through whatever sin that might have been, they got three tries, three chances, three strikes, you're out, and that was that. And Peter already knows that Jesus is doing something a little bit different, and so he's trying so hard to meet what Jesus is looking for, and so he more than doubles the cultural expectation. He says, as many as seven times, Jesus? That's twice more than three, but we add one to make it a nice Jewish number. And Jesus takes it further. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 77. And some translations say it's 70 times seven. And regardless of which one you read, if you think it's 77 times or 490 times, the point is if we're counting, we're missing what Jesus is trying to say. The reasoning Jesus gives for this endless forgiveness is in this parable of a king and his servants. The king is going through his accounts and calls one of his slaves to him to settle his debt. The slave owes 10,000 talents, which is something like 750,000 pounds of silver. Imagine, imagine 750,000 pounds of anything, and now imagine that's also silver. That's 30 tons. It's basically like saying zillions of dollars is what this slave owed. There is no way, even a slave who is high up in the court system, there is no way he could ever pay this back. And the king and he both know it. When the king decides the slave's fate, that he and his family and all that he owns will be sold, knowing that even with that sale, not even a dent would be made into that debt, the slave still begs for mercy. He offers to work off the debt saying that he will pay it somehow, knowing that there is no way in his lifetime that would be possible. And But the king was moved by pity, moved by compassion, moved by his heart to forgive the slave's debt, all of it, not asking him to repay, not asking anything of him outright, and that is the unimaginable forgiveness that we are given by our king, by God. Our debt isn't 30 tons of silver, but it's the piles of sin and brokenness in our lives. Even if we work hard to do everything that we can to love God and to love our neighbor, we still fall short. And it's God's unimaginable love and forgiveness that makes us new, that shares with us mercy and hope. And this forgiveness is meant to be shared. And I don't think we can forgive others who hurt us unless we know that we have already been forgiven. Because when someone sins against us, especially when it's someone who is supposed to care for us, that sin, that failure to love and respect, it marks not just the person who has been sinned against, but the sinner too. Both people carry something with them after those moments. The word forgiveness isn't just to release. 
it's also to carry. The king didn't just wipe the slate clean. That 10,000 talents was still spent. That debt still existed. The king took that debt from the slave. Just as Jesus on the cross takes our sins for us, the, the slave was now freed from that debt because that debt went from his shoulders to the king's. And the slave is able to go out into the world free from this, and he runs into a person from his community, a person who is supposed to love and respect him, who, is, who he is supposed to love and respect, and that person is unable to pay their debt. And if the first slave hadn't been forgiven, I don't think anyone would have thought twice about him imprisoning the second slave for being unable to pay. But being freed from such a weight, the slave was called to share some, some of that freedom with his brother. And the slave's heart could not be moved by compassion. And it didn't end well for him. Because part of this unimaginable forgiveness that we are given by God is that we are called to forgive, even when it's not easy, even when it hurts a little bit. We are called to let go of the pain caused by those we care about. We are called to pick up a piece of that debt, the failure of those who are supposed to love us. And as people of faith, we can give those sins, give that debt given to us, and we can hand it over to Jesus. This unimaginable forgiveness that God gives to us to share, this forgiveness that frees the hearts of those who sin and those who are sinned against, this forgiveness is just not an open door to receive harm. This forgiveness is a covenant, a promise. And covenants are kind of a big deal in scripture. In the beginning, when God makes a covenant with Abraham, God is promising to be Abraham's God, to protect him and his descendants, for his descendants to be numerous, for him to be the father of the nations. And this covenant continues down Abraham's line to Joseph and his brothers, as we heard in our reading today. And this is not a one-sided promise. This covenant goes both ways. Abraham and his descendants were blessed to be a blessing to others. And as Abraham shares this blessing, this love and mercy given from God, so do his descendants. And although Joseph's brothers failed big time, if you remember the story, Joseph has been blessed and has been given mercy, and so he shares that mercy with them, even though it's painful, even though he's weeping. And we, too, have been given a covenant the new covenant in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This forgiveness is a covenant. God promises to forgive us, to love us, to make us whole and new, even when we fail to love God and our neighbor. And our part of this promise is to share the forgiveness. We are forgiven in order to forgive. And sometimes the people we forgive still have to face consequences for their actions. Sometimes in their own brokenness, they are the ones who refuse for someone to carry their debts. Sometimes they refuse to be forgiven. The first slave sets the limits of forgiveness that the king is able to give him. He sets the limits by not sharing that forgiveness himself. This covenant of forgiveness, these promises, are not just with us and God. These are promises with those who sin and those who are sinned against. What if the first slave had forgiven the second? Would the process have kept going? Would the second slave have forgiven a third? Would a, would a third have forgiven the fourth? Would a covenant of forgiveness bring peace to a people? Forgiveness is a promise that is shared. And when we show forgiveness to someone, when we take on that failure and that hurt, there is still another side to the covenant. 
In Jesus' parable, the first slave failed at his peace in the covenant. He failed to be moved by compassion. He failed to show love and respect for his neighbor as himself. And he failed, and because of that, he faced the consequences for that failure. This covenantal forgiveness means that although we can release the sin against us, although we can carry that hurt and let it go, that does not mean that forgiveness calls us to ignore the responsibility of the person we forgive. And sometimes that means to forgive and to let go. To let that person no longer sin against us by no longer allowing them in our lives or only with very specific boundaries. Sometimes to show love. To love our neighbor, our sister, or brother as ourselves means to distance ourselves from that relationship. Forgiveness doesn't mean giving the person another 10,000 talents to lose. It doesn't mean giving them another opportunity to sin against you. Jesus knows that forgiveness is hard. It cost him a lot, just a little bit. Sometimes we fail to love our neighbor. Sometimes we are the ones who sin against someone that we're supposed to love. And sometimes we experience someone hurting us. And sometimes we just don't know what it means to forgive. Because it's not just wiping the slate clean. It's not just completely letting go. That's there, but there's more to it than that. Forgiveness means to love as God loves us. Forgiveness is to let go of that hurt that holds onto our hearts, to share the forgiveness that God gives to us, not just to wipe the slate clean, but to pick up the slate, to carry that hurt, that brokenness, and that sin, and to give all to Jesus. As Jesus works to heal our hearts and to free us. And sometimes when we fail, when we just can't be moved by pity, compassion, or our hearts, we turn to Jesus. We pray that Jesus will help us and guide us. We pray that Jesus will make our hearts new, that Jesus will take that hurt from our shoulders, and we pray that Jesus will forgive us even when we fail to forgive someone else. Because Jesus has the shoulders to carry all of that sin, all of that brokenness, that 750,000 pounds of hurt that we carry. Jesus is strong enough to lift that away from us. Amen. Because God's mercy is unimaginable. Because our Lord and King, Jesus Christ, goes to the cross to take on this sin, to conquer it, to free us and to heal us from the hurt and the brokenness that cling to us when we fail and when those we love fail us. Jesus, our Lord and King, calls us to share this forgiveness that we have received because this forgiveness is an undertaking of love and hope. This mercy is a covenant of healing and freedom. This grace is an unimaginable, amazing promise made to us by our unimaginable, amazing God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.